Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Well, again, we're so glad y'all are here with us this morning on this really rainy morning. Glad that you got out, that uh, rain wasn't keeping you from uh, coming together. And I'm going to share with you why, actually, you you did something very smart. Um, Our key question today and this week is, how does God accomplish his plan? And I'm going to tell you just up front, really, the answer is, is essentially the church. And uh, you'll be surprised to know just how safe you are because you are in here in the church this morning. Um, You should avoid riding in automobiles because they are responsible for 20% of all fatal accidents. Don't stay at home because 17% of all accidents occur in the home. See, some of those folks who didn't come, they're setting themselves up for an accident. Avoid walking on the streets or sidewalks because 14% of all accidents occur to pedestrians. Avoid traveling by air, rail, or water, which is probably more common this morning than some, because 16% of all accidents involve those forms of transportation. And of the remaining 33%, 32% of all deaths occur in hospitals. So whatever you do, don't go there. So what you'll be really glad to know, you that are here this morning, is that only 0.001% of all deaths occur in worship services in church. Yeah. And, And these are usually related to previous physical ailments. So, I mean, you're as safe as you can be. You're in the right place. Uh, everybody else is, take, is, is taking a big chance. Logic tells us the church is the safest place to be. So for safety's sake, attend church. It could save your life. You know, tell somebody that this week. Of course, the, the typical thought a lot of folks have is that church is a place. And yet, when you look in the New Testament of the Bible, what you see is there were no buildings during the the, the New Testament period. In fact, for the first few hundred years, the church was outlawed. It was against Roman rule to meet, and so they were not allowed to uh, own property. And so the uh, church typically met in homes. It was only after the emperor Constantine made uh, the Roman Empire Christian in the 4th century, some 300 years after the time of Jesus, that church buildings finally began to be built. Now think about that. We're in 2017. You'd have to go back to 1717. It's that far back in terms of how long the, the, the church went without a, buildings. The Greek word that is translated into English as church is ekklesia, and it originally meant in the Greek language a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place, an assembly. The early church began using this term then to describe their gatherings, their assembly of Christians. And it was the people, the people. It was never used to describe a building. The church, get this, this is, this is fundamental. The church is the people, the people of God, established by Jesus Christ, united under his lordship, empowered by his spirit to continue his mission to the world. The New Testament of the Bible uses phrases like the bride of Christ, as we sang, and the body of Christ to point to this close connection between Christ and his church. 
And in this series, Believe, that we are in, we began by getting straight about who God is and, and that he is good and we can have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. We, we recognize that God has a plan for all of us, for, for, in fact, for each one of us is a part of all of us, and he primarily reveals his plan, his will to us through his word, the Bible, because he loves us, and he has adopted us into his family as the children of God. We, those of us who have confessed Jesus as our Savior and Lord, we are his children. And this clarity about who Jesus is and is critical and it leads to our gratitude for all God has done for us through Christ so that we want to obey him. Not we obey him in order to get into his will. We obey him in gratitude for all that he has done for us. And that brings us then to the church. And here's our key idea for this week. I believe the church is God's primary way to accomplish his purposes here on earth. His primary way. And this is a really important idea. It has its beginnings going all the way back to Genesis of the Old Testament, the first book of the Old Testament, when God established his covenant with Abram. In Genesis chapter 12, it begins, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And not long after that, God renamed Abram Abraham. And he, he did make Abraham and his descendants into a great people, at least when they were obedient. They were the nation of Israel who were to be, as other scripture says, in the Old Testament, they were to be lights to the nation. And we, we forget sometimes, we think some of this language is, is only New Testament, but the nation of Israel was not God's end goal. It was a vehicle. His goal was to begin with Abraham to reach beyond the Jews, to ultimately include the Gentiles, who that is most of us, to reach all the families on earth. This is not a New Testament teaching. This is in Genesis chapter 12, the 12th chapter of the Bible. From the Jews came Jesus, and he was the fulfillment of all God had done up to then. He came to do his Father's will, to restore human beings from our fallen state. His death on the cross paid the price for the sins of all people. Now, only the people, God's people recognize that, but he paid for it all, um, and, and we receive the, that when we welcome him to our lives. And 40 days after his death, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus' first followers, and, and that initiated the church, the creating of a whole new entity, the church, to continue God's mission. It grew out of the people of, of Israel, it was not, uh, but not exactly the same thing. Jesus then gave his followers the church, what we today call the Great Commission. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. That, that, that's an important phrase, all authority. And, and, and what he says speaks for God. All authority in heaven and earth, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus wanted his followers, that is, those of us today who have professed our faith in him, to be grounded in his life and his teachings so that we wouldn't be fooled by the world around us but, but would, be, would grow and, and grow spiritually, becoming more and more like Jesus himself, which leads to our key verse for this week, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 says, then we will no longer be infants. And, and, and he's talking about spiritual infants here, but you know, an infant can't control their surroundings. We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves or blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up in him who is the head, that is, Christ. Jesus gave the church, his church, his mission. And in fact, the church was his plan to be his witnesses. He tells us in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, go to Ju- Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to all the earth. He calls us to be his witnesses to the whole world. This, this is not a change from the Old Testament. This is a progression through it. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. This is an amazing promise that, that he would, we would go beyond anything he had done. That, that sounds kind of ridiculous at first. But here's the thing you and I need to remember. When Jesus was here on earth in the first century, he could only be in one place at one time. But now, through his Spirit, that comes to reside in every follower of Jesus Christ, he can be in each of his followers wherever we are. Wherever we are, wherever we go, Jesus goes with us. Jesus is there. And so in the beginning, he was in hundreds in that first Pentecost. And then it quickly jumped to thousands. And then over time to millions, and today, billions of his followers working through them to accomplish his purposes here on earth. Now, can any one of us do what Jesus did? Of course not. That's not the point. He was God in the flesh. But each of us, each one of us, working together, empowered by Christ's own spirit to do what he created us individually to do, together we can do more. We can do even greater things, Scripture says, Jesus says, than Jesus himself did here on earth. And if you stop and you think about it, it makes sense. I mean, Jesus, Jesus touched a few thousand lives in Palestine. The church today touches billions of lives around the world. Each of us doing that together. And the Bible is clear that each one of us, as, as members of the body of Christ, together are critical to doing greater things, 
Some of you remember that phrase because it was a, a, a phrase we used greater things for a building campaign when we built our edu- a lot of our education space a few years ago. It was very important because it is this picture of the church, that the, the, the church, Jesus says, can do even greater things. And yet the dynamic is reduced when each of us don't do our part. And Paul talked about this using the analogy of a body. In 1 Corinthians 12, he said, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. We, in other words, all of us, are all the body of Christ together, not just any one of us. Each one of us matters doing our part. You know, and it's interesting when he uses this analogy of the body, because if we think about it, it makes sense. Some of you know, last year I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. I had my thyroid removed. I had some treatment, and, and, and thankfully, there's medication, synthetic thyroid medication they give you that, that continues on, and I'm doing great. I mean, the, the truth of the matter is, 99% of the time, I don't even know that that, that occurred, but yet, there is that 1% every once in a while, I feel something a little different or whatever, and it would be true of any of us. When something changes in our body or some part starts not working as well, now some of you in your 20s or 30s, that may be hard to comprehend, <laughs> but as we get up in there a few years, there are parts that don't do what they used to do. So whether it was because of disease or accident or age, it happens to all of us. And, and we start to realize that if there's a little bit of shoulder pain, I can't maybe do some of the things, or a little bit of arthritis or, or knee pain, I can't run like I did. And so when, when something happens to a part of the body, the whole body is affected. Now, some parts, again, affect us more than others. And so we try to compensate. In some parts, it's harder to compensate for than others. But every time some part of the body ceases to do as well as it could, then we have to compensate for that. And God's word says the same is true for each one of us who are followers of Jesus. Each one of us matters together as the body of Christ, the church, to accomplish his purposes here on earth. And when one of us doesn't do our part, when one of us fails to to do that, then the whole body suffers. But when we do our part, the mission moves forward powerfully. You may think, I'm just a small part. What can I do? I, I don't know. But what, the, what Scripture says, what God says, and what we know when we think about the analogy of our bodies is that, that any part of the body that doesn't work as well as it once did affects us. And so any part of us, any one of us who doesn't do what we could be doing affects the whole body. The body needs you. And, 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 and here's the thing, it's not just about you. Every follower of Christ is diminished to some degree when, when any one of us backs off from what God has given them to do. Because we, we have to make up for it, or we have to sh- try to work around it, or we have to figure it out. Again, it's just like w- when I lose my thyroid, I have to make up for it in certain ways and watch out for certain kinds of things. 
The same is true. When you fail to do your part in the body, somebody has to compensate. Somebody has to work at it. Somebody has to try to make up for it. And the, the truth of the matter is, our light simply does not shine as brightly as God hopes and intends. Just as the Jews were always to point others back to God, we Christians are, have that same mission to do likewise. Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine. He didn't say that to a handful or to just some, but to all followers of Christ. So what difference does that make? What's, what's our application here? Well, in the church, the body of Christ, first, I belong to a family, a family who is focused on all the things of God. As children of God, Christ is our brother, and, and Christians are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, some of you, maybe with a few more years on your life, or maybe you grew up in a more rural setting, you maybe once heard people talk to each other, Brother Susie, or, or well, not Brother Susie, <laughs> uh, Brother Randy, or Sister Susie, or whatever the case may be. And, and some of you think, well, that sounds so weird or so archaic. But actually, the idea comes from Scripture. The idea that we are in Christ, brothers and sisters, because God is our Father, and we are children of God. And so when, in Philippians 4, it says this, brothers and sisters, there's that that family connection. Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put, in, put it into practice, and our God, the God of peace will be with you. And of course, there are folks who, who do struggle with the church. I know that. I mean, I'm not a dummy. Uh, some struggle because they never really experienced the relationships or unconditional love that is possible in the church when, when Christ is really working in the lives of human beings. But the reality is, since we all battle sin, none of us do that perfectly. And, and some have been wounded in a church. Maybe some of you here today are. Maybe you're checking out a church uh, for the first time in a long time because of, of experiences you had at one point. And that can be hard to overcome. But what we all need to remember is that there's never a claim in Scripture, nor, as far as I know, any church that has ever claimed to be perfect. Yeah, that's an expectation people have. Well, you're God's people. Shouldn't you be better than that? Well, yeah, we'd love to be better than that. You're, you're hypocrites. Well, yeah, sometimes all of us are. None of us are perfect. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. We all battle sin. And, and the, the expectation is not a true understanding of what the church really is. The church has never been intended to be a hotel for saints, but a hospital for sinners. And when you're a hospital... It's not always neat and clean. There's mess sometimes, and, and blood gets shed, and, and people are hurt and hurting. And that's the reality in the church as well. And we have to understand that, that there is no perfect church. And if there is, as soon as you join it, it'll stop being perfect. 
None of us are. And so we ought to understand it. It can be messy, but in, it, in its best moments, it can also be a window into heaven. Pastor Randy Frazee said, when the church functions as God intends, nothing else on earth works quite like it. Christ's bride is not an organization, but rather an organism. It's not so much about the hype of programs, but the health of people. She's not a building, but a body. When submitted to God and serving together in true community, the church is a family that will surround people with strength and grace while continually porting, pointing toward the abundant life in Christ. Not a single one of us came out of a perfect family. And God is making that same point about the church. Until Jesus returns, there will be no perfect church or family. But we are in this together. And we'll celebrate communion in just a couple of minutes, a few minutes, as, as something that God's family does together. Second, then, I will grow faster in my walk with God. Now, there's no question you and I can grow spiritually on our own, but, but because we were created in the image of God, God himself is community, as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You and I were made for community. So there are aspects of our spiritual growth that typically only happen when we're with other believers. There's the accountability, which means that folks in our group have each other's back and everyone's encouraged to grow and mature and not become content or complacent. And there's a sense of synergy that, that occurs because the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. In, in Ecclesiastes 4, it says two people are better off than one, for they can help each other, often help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Now, most of us know that the Houston rodeo has just begun. Uh, another big rodeo uh, in, the, in North America is the Calgary Stampede, and they have what's called the horse, the heavy horse pull. And the story is told of a horse that won one year that pulled 9,000 pounds. Second place horse pulled 8,000 pounds. And so they got the idea to just out of curiosity see what would happen if you put the two horses together to see how much they would pull. And you might think, okay, 9,000 plus 8,000, that's 17,000 pounds. But do you know how much those two horses pulled? 30,000 pounds. Almost double what they pulled combined individually. The two of them did so much more together than the sum of their individual parts. And, and when diverse people with different gifts, different skills, different abilities, different backgrounds are working together and seeking to grow together, we grow faster. With Christ in our midst through his spirit, together we do greater things. And finally, I will be a part of a movement that is much bigger than myself. I mean, how could a handful of disciples, Acts chapter 1 says only about 70, who initially cowered from the religious authorities, go on to lead a movement that the day numbers something over 2 billion souls around the planet. Pastor Chris Livermore wrote, there is nothing like the local church when it is working right. The power released there is breathtaking, the potential unlimited. 
It comforts the grieving and heals the brokenhearted. It offers truth to the confused and bridges to those who are seeking meaning. It provides resources for those in need and opens its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden, and the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addictions, frees the oppressed. Wherever there are humans suffering, the church has a greater capacity for healing and wholeness. And across the centuries, this has been the church. And and a quick study of history shows that in spite of human weaknesses, the, the church of Jesus Christ has been the greatest instrument for good in the history of the world. The greatest. If you want to go back and, and look at beginnings of education for the masses, beginnings of health care for the masses, you will always find it grounded in the church and people's concern for those beyond the church and its walls who are hu- suffering and hurting. It is not simply an institution. It was created by God, empowered by his spirit to be the hands and feet and voice of Jesus Christ today. In the world. Now, yeah, there have been failures. Absolutely. There are individual failures. There are church failures. You can look through the history of the church, going back to the first century all the way up to today. I mean, beginning with Judas, who was with them for three years, who betrayed him. And you can find story after story. But maybe that's actually the point. Because here's the thing if God were not in the church. If God did not empower it and enliven it through his spirit, how in the world could it have survived these 2,000 years? The ways we have messed it up and the ways any and all of us have done stupid things at times for the cause of Christ, the only reason I say that it has survived, and not just survived, it has thrived for two millennia is because the church is of God. It is empowered by his spirit based on Jesus Christ. And God has used the church, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, as his instrument of destiny, his his instrument of salvation for this world. Pastor Bill Hybels, who pastors one of the largest churches in this country, has said the local church is the hope of the world. And I believe he is exactly right. You know, uh, someone once said that the kingdom of God is not going to arrive on Air Force One. It doesn't matter who is in the White House. It doesn't matter who we elect as our governor. It doesn't matter what kind of laws we institute in our city, our state, our nation, even around the world. Nothing is going to change people except Jesus Christ. And as a part of the church, we are the instruments of his grace. We are the hands, the feet, the voice. And so we live to be used by him. That's why in the church we look for opportunities to help you serve, which you can always do here on Sunday mornings. But next Sunday is our all-out serve. It's a great opportunity to go out and make a difference, to take the good news of Jesus out into the world through acts of love and service to be the church. Believe group leaders have received suggestions and ideas, but but here's the thing we want each group to look and see where they feel led and who they're being called to help and serve and, and to do whatever God leads them to do. And if you're not in a believe group, look at it for yourself. How can you 
go and make a difference. What can you, what can you do? We're going to have a single shortened service next Sunday morning starting at 1030. Uh, and, and then afterwards, we want to encourage you in groups or as individuals, go, go, go serve and then eat or eat and serve, whatever works for you. But to be the hands, the feet, the voice of Jesus out in the community. And here's the thing. We could have created a long list of, of things for you to sign up for. But you're already wherever you need to be. And you're already seeing things that we don't see. And sometimes the church makes a mistake by saying you have to do it all through the institutional church. When in fact, because you're the church, you can do that. You can listen to God. You can look for needs around you. Maybe it's simply to walk through your neighborhood and pray for each home. Maybe it's to go to a restaurant and be a witness for Jesus Christ to the wait staff. Do you know, if you talk to people, the wait staff, a lot of them will tell you they hate serving on Sunday more than any other day because Christians are the chintziest tippers. You know, and we come and we, we want to load them up with what they're doing wrong and we don't love. So what can we do? What can you do? What can your group do to be a witness for Jesus Christ? I know one group is going to a nursing home. You know, it, there's not a limit. If, if you're dependent on the institutional church to figure that out, you're not listening to God's spirit. And so that's part of why we've done it this way, is we want to encourage you to listen, you to go out, you to, to be the hands, the feet, the voice of Christ, and celebrate the good news. So uh, we're going to do this together as an entire church family, children, students, all of us in here for a short service, then we're going to go out, come dressed, however you're going to go. If you're going to go, you know, if you're going to go out and, and spend several hours, you're going to spend 20 or 30 minutes, come for whatever's appropriate for what you're going to do. Sit together in your, your uh, group families, if you're in a group, you know, and, and now, now here's the thing. Those guys from the other service are also going to be here, and they may get your seat, but that's okay, you know, because we're one big family. And it's okay if, if somebody else has our seat because we're not here for ourselves. We're here to be the hands and feet, the voice of Jesus. And so we're just glad if somebody is in that seat. Amen, yeah. So look and plan how you do that. And as we've been saying through this series, our beliefs have consequences. And if the church is the body of Christ and, and we are part of the church, it should show. And how you and I live our lives. It should make a difference. It shouldn't be just when we do something programmatically together. It should be how we as missionaries go out into our community all throughout the week. As the hands, the feet, the voice of Christ. You know, besides taking the gospel out in the world, Jesus called his spiritual family together at a table for a spiritual meal. In order to remember him, he, 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 in the church, this remembrance, though, is more than an act. It's, a, it's an experience of Jesus who is here in our midst. So we're going to take a few moments now here at the close of this service to share together in the Lord's Supper. We're going to do what God's family does. We're going to meet together for a meal. And we're going to celebrate what he has done already for us. We're going to begin by prayer, a prayer confession, because each of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
So I'm going to start a prayer. And then I'm going to kind of just pause and be quiet. And I'm going to let you talk to God. Now, if you're like me, I'm not going to give you enough time to pray all the stuff you need to ask forgiveness for, okay? But it's a start, and it can become a part of your daily routine, a part of your daily life. And, and I'll close us then at, uh, at, at the end of that prayer. So join me. Heavenly Father, we come here today admitting that we are sinners, that we fall short of your glory, that, that sometimes we do try to do what's right, that we do try to please you and, and serve Christ and serve his world, but at other times we're caught up in ourselves and what we want. And we, we look at this world and our things selfishly. Forgive us of those things, Father. And hear us now as each of us confesses to you our own faults and failings and sins. not to allow our confession to get us down. What Scripture says, when we confess, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So here's the good news that I certainly need to hear and I think all of us need to hear. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins, my sins, our sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Praise God. And so we gather together at this table what Jesus' disciples did on his last night on, here on earth where he gathered them together and he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after the supper, he took the cup and he shared it with his friends and he said, drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood of a new covenant poured out for you for all for the forgiveness of sins. Do it as often as you will in remembrance of me. And so we gather together in remembrance, but I would suggest to you it's more than just a memory, that somehow in the midst of gathering, we are reenacting and reliving that very experience so that Jesus is here in our midst, that he loves you and he desires you to be his hands and feet and voice, to become more and more like him in everything you do. Spirit, we pray that you would be poured out on these gifts of bread and wine, that we might be for the world, the body of Christ, redeemed by your blood, that we might be one with Christ and one together in ministry to all the world. We thank you that you love us so much, that you gifted each one of us, not only with salvation, but with gifts for ministry to make a difference in this world. And Father, when we come together as the body, you unite those gifts in a, in a synergy that is greater than the, the sum of the parts to do even greater things for your world. May we be united together, Father, in this meal 
so that we may be united together in serving your world. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to invite our servers to come forward, and I'm going to serve uh, two of them, and then they will serve the rest. And I want to then give you instructions about what we'll be doing for a few minutes. like to say here at Gateway that this is the Lord's table, not Gateway's table. That means that you don't have to be a member of our church or our denomination or our congregation in order to receive this gift. If you're truly sorry for your sins and you're seeking Christ, then we believe you are welcome to receive, to receive this gift that God has given to you, to the family of God, to unite us and bind us in all that is holy. Our servers in just a moment will be moving to locations uh, across the front and across the back, and they'll be, you'll be able to come down the aisles if you're in these center sections or in the, the risers to come down uh, to, to in front of you. And we have a chart, and what we want to encourage you to do if you're on the floor is that you would move to your left to the aisle and, and come along the edge of the aisle to the servers at the front receive the bread and the juice, and then to return back on the right-hand side, back to your seats. Now, for, for my friends over here in this last section, since you don't have, you can't go that way, we want to invite you to go to the right and come around and go back down the center. Uh, we welcome children to participate in this because this is what God's family does. Uh, we have set up the far station to have uh, gluten-free bread. So if that's an issue or concern for you, feel free to go over there. And as the lines are forming, if one line is, is shorter, you're not locked in. You can move to a closer line. That's, that's perfectly fine. You'll receive bread, the body of Christ, and, and I think you receive it. It's a gift. And we dipped it in the juice and then eat. And then you're welcome to pray at our our altar, if you will, uh, across the front or return to your seats. Our musicians will be sharing a song and we will stay together until all are served and then we'll be dismissed in just a few moments. So would you come and receive this gift from our Lord now? Come the people of God.
what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus, the name above every name that one day all knees will bow for his great love. We celebrate that and we are his people, the hands, the feet, the body of Christ. We go from this place not discouraged, but knowing that the power of God lives in us to live for Christ and to be his hands, his feet, his voice. That is good news. That is incredible news. If you need to talk to somebody about that news, if it's not clear or there's some things you're struggling with, our prayer team will be down here in just a minute. I'm going to be going out that, out that door and I'll be there. We'd love if you're a guest or a visitor today. We'd love to say hello to you. If you have questions or needs about other things, our next step area out in the lobby would love to help you with that as well. And finally, on our communion Sundays, we put at these exits a basket, an offering for those who come to our church with, with needs, a benevolence fund. And if you feel led by God that you want to drop something in there, please feel free to do so. Uh, all that you give will be used for those who have needs and come, come to our place. Let's close with what I want to call a benediction, um, what the church has called a benediction. I didn't make it up. Uh, it's not a prayer, so you don't have to bow your hands. But let's stand. And because it's a blessing, you, you can look up. And here is the blessing. May the living Christ go with you. May he go before you to guide you, beside you to befriend you, above you to protect you, behind you to encourage you. But most of all, may he go within you, his church. May his love and his peace go with you now and forever. That as the church, you may be his instruments, his voice, his hands, his feet for the transformation of the world. God bless you. See you next week. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.